like you, I, I had a dad who I, I considered tough as nails, you know, I mean, but he had that emotional side too. And actually, I think in many ways, my life now is a bit of a reflection of, of him, you know, and my father passed um, tragically on April 1st of this year uh, as a result of complications due to COVID. Um, so that was very sudden and unexpected, but we had be become best friends. And so, I mean, that's, I live to kind of like carry on his legacy because I always admired the fact that he could be that emotional um, and very supportive. And he was the guy I turned to. Welcome to Authentic Conversations. I'm your host, Ryan James Miller, and I believe the way to freedom, fulfillment, and success ultimately comes by living as the most authentic version of yourself. If you're ready to live the life you've dreamed of, you're in the right place. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Authentic Conversations. We are in season two, and I hope you have just really gained a liking for, affinity towards, being attracted to the conversations that we're having around what it means to be a man. Um, if you're a man, you should be able to resonate right away. If you're a woman, you probably have a man in your life, whether that's a significant relationship or a, a, a father of your own. There are just so many different facets in which uh, we're colliding with one another. And so, you know, the goal here really is to gain a good understanding for what it means to be a man in society today. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm excited to have with us Matthew Dibler. Uh, Matthew and I uh, connected over LinkedIn. And as so many of my connections, whether that's business connections, friends, podcasts, guests, they've all come the same way. So he's a husband, he's a father. Uh, he's written a book that if you're watching online, you can actually see it postered up in the background. I'm sure we'll dig into that a little bit. But for now, Matt, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> Awesome. And everybody should know, just so we can preface this the right way, um, right offline, uh, we're recording this a day after uh, Labor Day. And so I kind of made the joke to Matt that I'm just hoping <laughs> that my foggy post-vacation, I was in Vegas for a few days, brain gets itself back together. But Matt one-upped me because he is <laughs> just days outside of having a new baby. So yes. how's that been for you? You know, it's been amazing. It's it's quite the blessing. Um, we were actually, so my wife made it into the 39th week of pregnancy, which was kind of unique for us because our other two children were born early. So my daughter at 36 weeks, my son at 37. So those last few weeks of pregnancy, we were just like on edge because we anticipated <laughs> that it could come at any moment. Mm. I had a stomach bug that came late in that <sighs> time period too. So it was just, it was kind of messy, but then timing all worked out perfect. Um, our daughter was born, healthy baby, you know, mom is doing well, but it's crazy because we've got three children under, well, not under the age of four anymore. My son turned four in July, but anyway, it's a busy household right now. <laughs> yeah, cr crazy is a good way to say that. That's uh, that's pretty intense. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, so, sure. uh, you know, there, there's a lot uh, that uh, is running through my head, uh, you know, mm -hmm. as we're talking already, but uh, I, I like to set the tone for these specific discussions around uh, an idea. So mm -hmm. when I say to you, or when somebody was to say to you, so what does it mean to be a man to you in society today? Um, yeah. How do you define that? What do you say? What types of characteristics kind of come into play? So what? how would you answer that? Yeah, I mean, I think a man in society today is someone who reflects the truth, right? And someone like who is grounded, 
maybe in their in their spirituality or uh, in their identity as who they've become over the years. I mean, I like someone who what I've tried to you know kind of mold myself around over the years is I want to be the same person in my professional life, in my life with my friends, as I am inside of those four walls of my home. You know, I think being a man um, means you know being consistent showing up every day and being true to who you are and reflecting the values that, you know, you hold so near and dear to you. Um, that journey for me, it started really probably about 10 years ago when I had, I was kind of at a point of a nervous breakdown in my life and I was carrying all this weight of anxiety and, and mental illness that I had been hiding, concealing for so many years. And I just decided enough is enough. You know, it's time to to live in the truth, live in who you are and, and free yourself from this burden of carrying this in, in seclusion. Mm. And when I started becoming who God had intended me to be and just sharing that openly with the world, I felt a release and mm. uh, it was powerful. And it's been impacting um, not only my life in a positive way, but the lives of those around me. And, and that's what's re really given my life mission and purpose. So mm. I think, you know, being a man is about being true to who you who you are and not being afraid of them, you know, not being afraid of showing weakness. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, you, uh, you, you said uh, that at that one point you were afraid, uh, to, mm -hmm. you know, as you were struggling emotionally. And so, you know, what, what was that season of life? Like, you know, why yeah. uh, I, I love that you say that. I mean, I guess it's a lot easier when it's in the past for us to admit that type of stuff, right. but, um, right. but, but what was that like for you? Uh, it was really a devastating season. So, I mean, growing up, I was kind of always the popular kid. You know, I was an athlete in high school. I was quarterback of a football team, you know, had a bunch of friends, did well in school. And so on the surface, it looked like, you know, I had everything together, right? I was kind of the kid that it was like, well, I wish, you know, I could run in that crowd. You know, I, I was fortunate. I was blessed in that regard. Um, but what people didn't realize is there was kind of this battle that was happening beneath the surface of my skin. I started developing anxiety. Um, kind of at the tail end of my teen years. And then it really started to manifest itself in a powerful way, like in my sophomore year in college. And it became debilitating. Um, but I worked through that. And then about the age of, I was 29, about to turn 30, um, I experienced an, another really devastating season. I was coming out of a, a bad breakup in a relationship that I had been in. And there was all kinds of uh, stress and anxiety that was just building. And I could feel it. You know, it kind of felt like a ticking time bomb. And ultimately, I wound up having a nervous breakdown. And that then just kind of opened the door, like opened the floodgates to this really overwhelming anxiety that took over my life every single day. Panic attacks where I'd have four or five of them at night. I would just wind up staying awake all night long because I was fearful about going to sleep. And so it was a it was a very very ugly and devastating season in my life, and that's when I actually, um, you know, really first connected with God. I mean, I, I grew up, um, you know, going to church as a kid. I didn't really know God all that well on a personal level, um, but I started seeking um, because I needed answers, and I, I recognized that I didn't have them. And uh, you know, turning my life over there, it was just this spiritual rebirth that that kind of came over me, and some remarkable things started happening. And I just realized that, you know, if I made right with him and, and there was a call to kind of take responsibility for, for where I was in life and decisions I had made, people I had heard along the way. But when I started making right with him, I just, I felt this comfort in my identity and who he was calling me to be. And I stopped worrying about 
you know, the judgment of others. And, and that allowed me to release a lot of the burden. I realized that a lot of what, you know, was holding me back for so many years was just this pressure to conceal. And I started, you know, just living my story openly. And as I shared it, because I started blogging, so I started telling the story, um, I recognized that a lot of people connected with it. And they saw someone who was not just, you know, didn't have it all together. It wasn't just the star quarterback of the football team or whatever. It was like, oh, this guy's got a real battle and I can kind of relate to it. And so I started making all kinds of connections. And it was really powerful. And it just moved me to, you know, do more of that kind of work. And so then I'm going to assume that mm-hmm. you were raised in an environment that probably in some way bred that or at least enabled that to happen. So was that the case? Mm-hmm. I mean, was that something that you were kind of just conditioned to, to bury that? Sort of. Um, I don't know. Like I try, I've tried to figure that out myself at times too. Did I, did I feel like the pressure from my mom and dad to, you know, hide that or, and I can't say for certain. I mean, I, I think I was I was always very competitive, right? And my my father was he was a coach and he was just an amazing influence in my life. But it was kind of that, um, you know, rub some dirt on it, you know, keep mm-hmm. playing. Um, and maybe it was that mentality that it was just like, I, I'm not gonna show it, I'm not gonna show that weakness. I'm mm-hmm. I'm not, I, I can fight my way through this. And I think I did that to the point that ultimately I broke. It was like, I had to exhaust every option I knew in my own flesh to try and win before I gave up and said, you know what, I can't do this on my own. And that's again, when that, that spiritual um, relationship was, was formed. Yeah. Um, Yeah. No, I mean, that, that, that's really interesting to hear that because, you know, for me, um, so I was raised primarily in a single parent home. My parents divorced when I was six and I mm -hmm. saw my dad uh, just every other weekend and then, you know, sure. uh, holidays and extended period of times. And so some would say, okay, well then that was it. You know, that, that's why you struggled, you know, growing right. up as a man and, you know, uh, into adulthood and that may have been part of it, but my dad, uh, when, what, you know, in the times I saw him, he, I, I saw him cry. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, I mean, he was a tough guy. My dad was a cop yeah. for a period of time, very strong, very masculine, like sure. just everything with his hands. Um, but I saw that side of him. I was yeah. raised uh, by my mom who was as emotional as it got. But yeah. I think what I also saw, and, and when you, when you said what you said is what kind of struck this in me was, you know, my mom, though she was extremely emotional, she had to fight. And so no matter what, she was always going to keep pushing to get it done, to provide for us, to, to yeah. go to work, to overcome. My dad, same thing. Like my dad just always busted his ass as hard yep. as he could to work and to grind it out. And yep. so I kind of felt like, you know, part of that probably was imposed on me unintentionally to sure. just continue to press through. And so then when you're kind of put up on this pedestal to be um, popular of sorts or your team mm-hmm. captain or whatever, it's right. just it's something that you have to continue living. And then when you don't have the other voice outside saying to you, yo, you better be prepared because bad days are coming and mm-hmm. let's just, let's just prepare ahead of time and start to address these things. And it's okay to talk that that wasn't there. And so then I think when we, we become our own men, then yeah. we create that environment for ourselves, which just makes it that much worse, you know? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I can totally re- relate to everything that you're saying. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. And I, like you, I, I had a dad who I, 
I consider tough as nails, you know, I mean, but he had that emotional side too. And actually, I think in many ways, my life now is a bit of a reflection of, of him, you know, and my father passed um, tragically on April 1st of this year uh, as a result of complications due to COVID. Um, wow. So that was very sudden and unexpected, but we had be- become best friends. And so, I mean, that's, I live to kind of like carry on his legacy because mm. I always admired the fact that he could be that emotional um, and very supportive. And he was the guy I turned to like when, when things got really crazy with my anxiety and nobody could understand my dad was the guy that I could make the phone call to and he would just listen. Right. Cause it didn't make sense to a lot of people, you know, experiencing um, I mean, I became agoraphobic. Like basically that meant that I was, wow afraid to leave my home. I mean, it's defined, I think, as a fear of outside spaces, but I was really kind of confined to like my four walls. That's hard for a lot of people to understand. And um, my dad was just a supportive, uh, wonderful human being that was there for me throughout that time and just didn't ever, you know, push too hard. Um, You know, obviously encouraged me to continue to be tough and keep fighting, but also recognized that it was a battle that he didn't have every answer to. And I think what was power, powerful was, is that, you know, he kind of helped introduce that, that spiritual influence in my life too. Mm-hmm. Um, just very gently though, you know, not in the way that he was pushing, but yeah, I was, I was really fortunate. I've, I've had good parents and uh, we didn't have the perfect, you know, house growing up. I mean, my parents, they, they butted heads quite a bit. That probably created some additional anxiety in me as a kid. You know, you kind of feel like you have to play referee at times. You want to <laughs> make sure everybody is, <laughs> on the same page, you know, you don't want to hear mom and dad fighting. I mean, I went through some of that growing up, but I would never say that they were the reason for, I, I kind of look at it, to be honest, Ryan, like I was just a pretty like hypersensitive kid. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't think I recognized at the time it, it overwhelmed me, you know, and I became very anxious. Mm-hmm. But as I kind of developed the identity of who I became later in life, I recognized that, that hypersensitivity was actually a real gift because it allowed me to tune into things, um, particularly from a spiritual perspective that, you know, allowed me to access things that I didn't know I had the power mm-hmm. to do in the past. And it was a really powerful thing. So okay, that, that that's actually really, that, that's a great thing that you said, because mm-hmm. again, I think that you know, on one hand, the danger mm-hmm. of a man can be anything he wants uh, is running mm-hmm. rampant in society today. And so I, I definitely personally believe that there's a lot of danger associated with that. But the other yeah. side of it that is also dangerous is, and we've kind of come out of this, I think in this last mm-hmm. season, but, um, you know, this idea of a man is hard and a man is a, the fighter and the man, like there, there is some truth in, in, in situations to that. But I right. love that you said, you know, this was, you were tapping into who you were and using yeah. that, you know, to, to your advantage, you know, to best benefit you and the people around you. So mm-hmm. how, how did you get to a place where you, you resolved uh, that, you know, this is a challenge. I, I'm, I'm overcoming this challenge, but this yeah. is going to be a journey that I'm on forever. Like, how did you begin to resolve that? This is just who I am. And I'm mm-hmm. going to use this to my best ability. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, so God intervened in my life. There was kind of this divine intervention moment. And mm. it's a story that's it's kind of, it's crazy powerful, but it was one of those like um, 
where I, I was kind of forced to look at myself in the mirror and recognize, you know, some of the steps that I had taken that had led me to the point in my life where I was. Uh, it was a very sobering thing. And I felt in that moment that God was calling me to, you know, take responsibility for your life. I had this moment um, that day when this thing occurred uh, where I was standing in the shower and I was thinking through like all of these adversities that I had faced, like whether it was in relationships or whether they were financial challenges or professional things, whatever. And this, you know, flood of truth just kind of washed over me. And it was, what's the one consistent thing? That was the question. And of course I knew it was me, you know, so stop pointing the finger at everybody else. Um, it's time to take responsibility, own it. You know, we're like, tell the story. That day I um, bought a domain and I started blogging. Um, the very next day, actually, is when I started actually writing. I started sharing the story of my life, basically, and putting it all out there. And I think um, that was uncomfortable when I started doing it, but I knew that I had to do it. Like, I knew it was, he was definitely calling me to to make this happen. And so it was like, I wasn't going to turn back. Like, like he was, he was intervening and I needed to listen. So I just started doing it, even though it was uncomfortable. But then what I found was that there was such a tremendous release, you know, it was like th this burden that I had been carrying, as I said before, it was just lifted and I felt power in it because I felt extraordinarily strong knowing that I could, you know, tackle those demons head on. It's like I had buried them for so long. Well, now I'm looking them square in the eye and I'm saying, I'm not afraid of you anymore. I'm not going to run anymore. There's no reason to. And, you know, me sharing this story, it might help free someone else who's been held captive for a decade or more in their life. And so now there's like this competitive fuel in me that's always been there, you know, because I've been an athlete, I've been involved in this stuff all of my life, but now I'm fighting this other war. And I liked it because I kind of felt like I was carrying the torch in a sense, you know, it was like, this is my time. This is my identity. And I'm not afraid. Everybody else might be afraid of putting this stuff out there, but I'm not, mm -hmm. I'll go, you know, where he's calling me. If, if he's behind me and talking about God, um, what do I have to fear? You know, he's got my back in this. He called me to do it. So I'm just going to put it out there and I'm going to help as many people as I can, including myself. And it was a journey to get well. But I think what was powerful was when I started writing, I was nowhere near well. I mean, I was actually very agoraphobic at that point in my life. But then people got to see kind of the evolution of, of where I was becoming or the, the person I was becoming. And over time, it was like I'd find that I'd write. And I'd write about something that was really plaguing me, like something that was really holding me back. And then by the end of that blog, I'd find that I had some kind of conclusion as far as to next steps that I could take in order to kind of get my hands around it and start making more progress. So it was therapeutic for me, but I think it was therapeutic for those who were reading it too, because, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, they could kind of see it right through my lens as I was experiencing it. Like you and I were talking earlier, you said it's, you know, a little easier to tell the story after you've overcome it, but people were seeing it as I was going through it. So, yeah. yeah. Now, and, and, you know, what I really love about that specific thing that you said was, you know, uh, so I, I came to faith in 2006, mm -hmm. um, shortly thereafter, that was on the back end of adversity and marriage. And just, uh, there was a lot of things that, it, that, 
had gone on in my life to that point. And, um, you know, Romans 8, 28 comes to, you know, comes to, to, to light and, you know, uh, all things work together for good. Uh, yeah. And, you know, it's like, okay, so I, I hear that. And then I, 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 I read and see of all of these unbelievable stories of adversity uh, turn yeah. out for good all throughout scripture, you know, including, you know, the center point of our faith is Christ on the cross, you know, like the greatest tragedy ever becomes the greatest gift ever. And it's like, okay, so bad leads to good, right? Maybe, maybe not in the short term, but you know, at some point. And so I, I get all that, but I was still struggling a lot with adversity Mm -hmm. and the, the, the kind of like, I don't want to see even say even extra biblical examples because I think even in the church, this happens too, but a lot of people were saying, okay, you know, just get through it. And then you move Mm -hmm. on and your past doesn't define you. And, and all of that kind of came together in this interesting way. I was reading, I don't know if you're familiar with Ryan holiday. He's kind of like a modern day stoic. He writes the daily stoic. And so one Mm -hmm. of his books he wrote was called the obstacle is the way. And he talks Mm -hmm. about the fact basically that we're always trying to avoid the obstacle when oftentimes it's through it uh, where not only is that the path we're to take, but it's where we learn and grow the most. And so Mm -hmm. Here is this non-Christian guy uh, that brings to light something that I've been hearing in in scripture for so long. And now I've become this proponent of what you just said, which is, you're right. My past doesn't define me. I am not a, because I did this thing, but at the same time, what happened to me was done for purpose, which means mm-hmm. if I continue to use that for my good as I grow, and like you said, to tell the story, to lead other people through it, to encourage and support each other, yeah. I, I feel there's such a shame. And again, I do feel this happens a lot with men where it's, we get, we overcome this hurdle mm-hmm. and then we just, we, we just trash can it. Or, or, don't want to look Yeah, like it's it. gone. And it's like, I I don't want to talk about that anymore. And I understand there's pain, there's hurt, there's scars, there's struggle. Sometimes it re or uh, rebirths things Mm -hmm. that we don't want to talk about, but we can't waste all of this that's happened to us to this point. Like it, it, it really is a gift. I totally agree. I mean, I feel like it was, um, you know, for the last 10 years of my life, I've been more living my purpose and my mission. But even then, I mean, I can see how I've matured like over the last two years. I mean, I was still really searching, um, even through those initial five to seven years or so until I really kind of fully stepped into it here um, recently. But yeah, I mean, that's like your training room. I mean, I, I, I would never give up the experiences in my past. And I don't, I think that the only way that a person can, you know, because when you're dealing with things that trigger a lot of emotion, when you've had like traumatic types of experiences in your life, it is hard to go back and revisit them. But if you are grounded in your identity, in the truth, then I feel like it's easier to, with a very sober, you know, lens, look at that and understand what the value is in it. And yeah, I don't think we should run from it. I think we should, you know, because honestly, that's, I think the, the greatest thing that we can bring to this world is what we have been able to um, grow within ourselves through the adversities that we've experienced early, earlier, earlier in life. So um, I would never hide for, from it. I, I'm proud of, of who I am today, and um, I'm thankful for the experiences in my past. And 
let me tell you, I've made a million mistakes. Hmm. I've done a lot of sinful things. Um, you know, I'm certainly not the poster child for righteousness. Um, yeah. But if I hadn't gone through all that, if I hadn't taken all those missteps, if I hadn't screwed up that, I mean, it was almost like God needed me to mess up so many times that because I wasn't, I was stubborn, you know, I wasn't mm-hmm. going to learn after one or two missteps. I had to misfire several times before I got this right and could actually be a useful servant for his kingdom. Yeah, no, that, that's so good. And, you know, uh, to what you said there, I think it's so important for us to recognize that, you know, all of this adversity that's happening to us and through us is also such a wonderful testimony to mm. the love of Jesus and the grace mm. of God and the mercy of God. And I mean, yeah. God doesn't need us for anything. Like he could just do it, right? He just, right. He'll, he'll, he'll zap it into somebody's mind through the power of the spirit. And, you know, it doesn't need us, but yeah. he seems to like to use us. And so what a wonderful opportunity we have just to continue to the point to the fact that we need to put an effort. We need to work mm-hmm. hard. We need to make good decisions. You know, it's not that we're just, you know, being drugged through life, but at the same time, ultimately we're just pointing to the fact that because what God has done in and through us is mm-hmm. why we are able to forget overcoming the massive things, but just put one foot in front of the other every day, yeah. which for you at one point, that was a huge thing to be able to just put literally. one foot outside the house, right? Absolutely. It literally was. Um, yeah, and you're right. I mean, his love is so patient and enduring. And I think it sets such an example for us to carry through in our lives to our brothers and sisters, you know, show that compassion, you know, mm-hmm. because, because God has shown you that enduring, patient love throughout your life. I mean, it was like, I felt like, you know, the the prodigal son, you know, it's like, uh, it's like, he was just waiting for me at the door with mm. open arms to just embrace me, even though I had just continued to turn away and push him away for so many years. It was really powerful. But um, yeah, I mean, stepping forward one, <laughs> one step at a time, literally. I mean, when I was agoraphobic, breaking, you know, my front door was such a challenge. I mean, we're talking about like, going to the mailbox. So I lived in like, um, at the time when this occurred, I had a one bedroom apartment plus a den where, you know, my office space. Um, but I struggled to like walk down the hall to take out the trash or to walk to the mailbox to, you know, get my mail. I, there were times when two weeks would pass that I wouldn't be able to get in my car. Um, because I, it would just overcome me at that point. You know, if I was going to like leave the comfort zone, Uh, the anxiety just went crazy. There were times where I would stand in a grocery store with, you know, just the the basic supplies I needed because I was trying to get in and out of there as quickly as possible. And I'd have to abandon the cart and run out because I would feel the panic just overcoming me. Um, But that was one of the things that my faith gave me. It gave me an affirmation. It was um, the night that I truly fell to my knees and said, I can't do this anymore. I've exhausted everything in my own you know, knowledge to, to win this battle. I don't have the strength anymore. Like if you're ready for me to come home, take me, like, I'm not going to take my life. Cause I wasn't interested. I didn't go down the path of suicide. I, I, I had a bit of a faith established, so I wasn't looking that direction, but I was ready if he was willing to take me to go. 
And I said, if not, then take my life and do with it according to your will. And he did um, start intervening in that very moment. He gave me a few words, which was let go, trust, believe, faith. And I ran to my computer. I typed them up in a Word document in big, bold letters, printed them out and put it on my refrigerator. And I started living that affirmation day after day. So when I would walk, like with the pace of my steps, it was let go, trust, believe, faith, let go, trust, believe, faith. And the biggest thing that I realized is that I thought I had let go then. This is 2011. And uh, I think it was like 2020 till I fully let go. I mean, I yeah. really think I spent nine years like letting go. And now I've maybe evolved into trust, believe, faith. Um, and that is something I'm trying to incorporate maybe into my next book. But um, the letting go part was tough for me. And I think oh. that's what's hard for a lot of people and a lot of a lot of men in particular. It's hard of for us to let go of our need for control or, you know, we want to provide or we want to be tough. or and And sometimes it's not about our strength. You know, the strong man recognizes that his greatest strength doesn't come just from him and his flesh. So, yeah, that's so good. That's so good. <clears throat> okay. We're, uh, we're slowly winding down here. Mm -hmm. Um, I, uh, on most of these, I haven't been as interested in, uh, you know, what people are doing out in the world as, yeah. as much as, you know, how people are living the life they are, but, uh, you have this massive poster, uh, behind you or, you know, <laughs> on your screen. Um, and you know, I, I know you wrote this book, very yeah. provocative title, the devil yeah. and the children of God at the end of the world. I mean, if that doesn't mm -hmm. like, you know, at least open your eyes or ears to what the heck is he talking about? I don't know what's wrong <laughs> with you. Uh, so tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, um, let me let me give you kind of the quick cliff notes version. So it, it really is the story of my life. So if you'd like to learn more about some of the things that we've shared here, as far as um, you know, my experience with experiences with anxiety and, and panic disorder, um, that's all detailed there. But really, where the title comes from was in um, in 2020. Uh, I had this encounter uh, with an evil uh, type of influence. And it was steering me down a very dark path, a very deceptive path. Um, it didn't necessarily appear dark at first, but what I'm really revealing in this book is I'm kind of unpacking a lot of that. So it's, it's me telling the story of my life and how I got to that point where I had this encounter, what led me into that, and then sharing um, all that I learned through that experiences through that experience and how I was able to, uh, you know, turn away from it, um, turn away from evil, turn back to God, you know, rely on the Holy Spirit to identify what was going on in my life and, you know, make the commitment to Christ um, for, for eternity, essentially, um, and become, you know, full-time a servant for his kingdom. So uh, it's, it's a powerful story. Um, it's one that's pretty eye-opening. Uh, it's, it's pretty intense. I won't lie. Um, a lot of what is detailed in that battle is, you know, there are some things that are, are dark in nature. Um, but I think it all points to the love of God, that patient, enduring love. Uh, the fact that our father in heaven wants every child of his to come home. Um, I do believe, and this is where the end of the world comes from. I do believe that we could be nearing the end times. Are we in them right now? 
I'm not sure. I don't have his timeline, you know, are we experiencing the beginnings of birth pains? I mean, to me, that that is plausible. Um, you see the things that are going on in the world. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of uh, turmoil. But um, I think now is a time that we really need to focus our eyes on our creator and uh, on that truth, because there is a lot of darkness around us. But there is this hope, this light that is always prevailing. And uh, I think God wants us to turn in his direction and, and recognize that our future is certain, even though things seem very uncertain around us, if we just turn to him and, and trust in, in his plan. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's, it, it's never the promise that it's going to make our problems go away. Right. No, we all know that, um, you know, faith, faith is far more about, you know, having something to, to, to rest our hope in and yeah. knowing that. And I think it's back to, you know, you, you said this a couple of times, but you know, when you were in just the darkest of moments for yourself, um, mm -hmm. you know, it, it wasn't as though, which I, I, I know, you know, very closely, some people that have contemplated suicide and that have mm -hmm. taken their own lives. And I know people go there, but mm -hmm. you know, it, it's not necessarily that, but it's just this confidence to know that, you know, my life is completely in, in the Lord's hands. And yeah. if today's my day, uh, then so be it. You know, Apostle Paul yeah. says, right, absent with the body is present with the Lord and to live as Christ mm -hmm. and to die is gain. And it's like, you know, if, if it's gone, you know, if I, if I go, I, I go in the confidence of knowing that, you know, I, I'm with Jesus. And if not, as long as I walk this earth, I have this power, um, you know, that is in me. I have this confidence in knowing that all things are according to his will, that there is no such thing as true chaos, you know, in the kingdom of God. And so I right. love, I love that idea just so much. And, and just something that you're right. I mean, you know, whether or not you believe we're near the end or not, the, the urgency should come into play when we just start to look around the world and say yeah. like, you know, nothing's getting better. And right. it's, you know, you're right. I mean, you know, we're going to ebb and flow, but we will continue to, to just be in these cycles of just absolute challenge and 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 we need something outside of ourselves yeah and i think we can live in victory because we know who the victor is i mean we know how this story plays out right yeah. that's already it's guaranteed at this point i mean the devil essentially has no dog in the fight i mean christ has won this battle he won it on the cross now, we know that things could get a little ugly towards the end. I mean, if you read the book of Revelation, you know, you can go into some pretty dark stuff. And it's not necessarily going to be easy for Christians, that's for sure. But we do have um, the firmness of that truth. We, we have that hope. And one of the things that came along with this book was I started the Lamp on the Stand Motivational Ministry. And I, I'm really all about, you know, putting that lamp on the stand. Like, let's not mm. hide it. Let's be the light in that season of darkness so that others can, can draw nearer to Christ through, um, you know, the testimonies that we collectively share together. So okay. um, that's really my mission. And, and just to encourage people to live in victory and not, you know, be overcome by the world because, as we know, Christ has overcome the world. That's so good, man. 
That's so good. Well, Matt, I mean, it's been a pleasure. I mean, you know, there are probably hours and hours of things we're going to talk about. And I had no idea that this was the specific direction (laughs) we're going to go down. But I think that, again, I think what this demonstrates is that, you know, you you set this tone at the beginning, talking about the fact that, you know, you're to stand in and live in the truth. And, you know, Mm -hmm. and and that for you is what defines you as a man. Um, And I love that. And then I, I really appreciated the fact that you just spoke that all the way throughout as you talked about some of the deepest, darkest moments of your life and how those have continued, you know, on to some degree and you having to continue to fight through those. And this is the stuff that, again, we men need to be more open about, to talk about, because it may not be the fear of going outside of the house, but it may be the fear of just living in the world today or the fear of not screwing up again. And that being the last time before your spouse cuts you off or, you know, just there's so many things. And I, I just pray that, you know, these types of discussions open up more discussions elsewhere just to say, Hey, I'm struggling and I just need somebody to talk to, you know, it doesn't, it shouldn't be weird. And, and, and I think that's just one problem that again, we as men face is it's just, there's so much awkwardness when we talk about things like this. Yeah, I totally agree. And if if somebody needs someone to talk to, if they need a community where they can feel at home and just, you know, be present and be who they are, this is not like a, um, not a counseling group or anything like that, but I, I did establish back in the early part of 2020, a group called the outlet. And so if you're interested in that, I mean, we meet on Thursday mornings and we meet on Sunday afternoons for like an hour at a time, just a group of people that care about each other and are there to support one another. It's not all men, you know, we have some females as well, but we have just great conversation and it's, it's a place where you can come and, and share what's weighing on your heart. Um, you know, if you've got something, you know, mental health wise that you need to share, get off your chest, like we're there for you. So at any point in time, it's called the outlet. Look me up on LinkedIn, Matthew Dibler, and, uh, you know, send me a message and I'll, I'll get you all the information. Awesome. And we'll make sure to put that information in the show notes too. So that way people uh, can be connected to you there. Um, well, again, man, just uh, appreciate you. Thanks for, you know, jumping at the chance to, you know, to hop on the podcast and for setting time aside, especially in a new crazy <laughs> season for you praying yeah. that that baby continues to grow well and you guys start to get yeah, some nice. good sleep and, um, I would say I, I'm excited for you to see those kids grow, but boy, when they grow up, they just get crazier in different ways. So I don't know what I want. <laughs> no, I've seen, seen it. I'm just wondering what what's it going to be like when they're like six, four, and two. It's probably oh. easier. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Um, that's but, that's what you uh, say now. And, and just remind me real quick. So six. Well, now they're four, two, and newborn, right? Four, two, and newborn. And newborn yeah. Four, and, two, and, and boy, boy, girl, boy. Like what's the order? Boy, girl, girl. Oh, boy, girl, girl. Okay. Yeah. Woo, just wait for that. I have two daughters that are 19 and 12 and I love them to death. They're amazing kids, but boy, the challenges as they grow up, just continue to surprise me. I'll tell you the boys though, they got the energy that just is, oh my goodness. Like my son can just go and no nap, you know, let's just, let's go get it. (laughs) I don't need to go to bed. Like I'm cool. Yep. Yeah. See, some some guys never change, even when they grow up. That's right. That's right. Exactly. exactly. And then they're going to regret. They're going to regret not taking advantage of those naps when they get. Oh older. man, I say that all the time. You know, I kill for a nap today. I know. Remember those days? Wow. Oh man. All right, guys. Well, that wraps up another episode of the podcast. Um, Maybe you need to go take a nap right now. Maybe that is the one bit of encouragement that you got. Uh, But really. 
Um, any, any questions, thoughts, ideas around this? You always know where to find me, but if there's something that Matt said specifically that struck a chord, I would absolutely encourage you to reach out to him again. His information will be in the show notes. As always, I want to remind you, one of the most important things I can tell you is to be you, be happy, be authentic. Take care, guys. Talk to you soon. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Authentic Conversations. If you are ready to live the life you've dreamed of, I'm here to help. Head to ryanjamesmiller.com slash podcast to begin your journey. And if this episode impacted you in any way, pay it forward by sharing it with someone you know. I'm Ryan James Miller, and I'll see you next time on Authentic Conversations.